Praise the Lord. You are listening to a word from the Lord, a radio and internet ministry of the Refuge Temple Church of Burlington, North Carolina. Refuge Temple Church is located in the heart of Burlington, NC at 152 North Main Street. Our pastor is Bishop Reginald J. Davis. Refuge Temple Church is a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, multicultural ministry ordained by Jesus Christ to serve him, his kingdom, and the community from Main Street to the world. We welcome you to join us now for Jesus anointed name. music. Everybody give God, God praise right now. Come on, everybody. Everybody give the Lord praise now. In the sanctuary, remain standing with me and go with me to the Gospel of St. John, chapter number 11. And as a supporting text, the book of Psalms, Psalm number 118. In the Gospels, the Gospel of St. John, chapter number 11, and in the Psalms, the writings, the Psalms, Psalm number 118. It's in your bulletin, and please remember that we will be we're in the midst of our church anniversary celebration. And next Sunday morning, we're going to have with us Elder David Hollis of Gary, Indiana, an anointed preacher. And he's going to be a part of this 26th church anniversary. So you want to be here and join us on next Sunday morning in Jesus' name. St. John chapter number 11 and verse number 21. Then Martha, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believeth thou this. Psalm 118 and verse number 17. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. You can be seated. I want to talk to you this morning from subject, holding on to life when I keep seeing death. Holding on to life when I keep seeing death. I want to give you this disclaimer before I even start this message that today I'm engaging in preaching therapy. What I mean by that is this message may be more for me than for you, all right? And so if it seems somewhat inwardly directed, it's what the Lord put in my heart last Sunday morning at about 6 a.m. Because... Jasmine's death 
was not the only death that I've had to deal with. And not to invoke any sympathy, but every time a member of your congregation deals with death, you live it through them. It may not be, I've tried to be empathetic, I've tried to be sympathetic, I've tried to be responsive, but every time any of you, and a lot of you have lost loved ones. And every time you've lost a loved one, I have lived that with you. Prayed for you when you weren't around, cried for you because I felt the pain of your loss and your suffering. Um, it, it's, it's tough even dealing with Jasmine because last year, this time, we lost a nephew in a very similar way. And when you relive stuff like this, and you constantly at funeral homes, and constantly at gravesides, it, it, it is reality of what we do, but it doesn't make it any easier. And I want to be clear that you never want to be so anesthetized to grieving and to grief that you don't feel it anymore. You know, you can, you, some people can do stuff so long that they stop feeling it. And, and I don't ever want to be like that. And so the, the price of not wanting to be like that is that you feel it every time somebody attached to you loses someone attached to them. And so forgive me today if this is Pastor Davis just trying to help Pastor Davis, and y'all just go along for the ride, okay? We'll, we'll get there in a little bit. The questions of life and death linger with most of us. And almost all of us live while we are being actively confronted by death. Death is a stalker. He's, he hides in the shadows. He comes out unexpectedly. Comes out when we're not looking and not Expecting him. He, he, he's a specter, and I, I preached this sermon. I'm, I'm so waiting for the day that I watch death go to hell. I'm waiting for that day. I want to be standing on the edge of the lake of fire. When the Bible says death and hell are cast, I'm like, there you go. Because the Bible says the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. But death stalks all of us. Death is a reality to all of us. All of us face the lingering reality of losing someone or perhaps even ourselves eventually leaving this world. And as much as we love and trust God, everybody has questions about death. Anybody want to be honest about that? And, and, and one of the questions that you have asked, because I've asked the question, is why? Why him? Why her? Why this person? Why that person? In fact, if, if I could be brutally honest, there have been times when you said, Lord, if you had asked me, I'd have told you who to take. But you took someone that was close to me. You took someone that was dear to my heart. And grieving remains a challenge for everybody. And I, I think sometimes because we don't want to 
depress the mood and we don't want to depress the ambiance. We don't talk enough about the reality of grieving. And, and so most people are left to kind of work their way through grief as best they can. And, and, and I think sometimes as a family, as a congregation, we have to work through this thing called grief. Because I'm looking across the audience and everybody, almost everybody in this church has had to manage struggle with grief. And because the church just wanted to move on to the next thing, don't talk about grief. Because it makes us uncomfortable. It might make us cry, it might make us feel bad, but I think that we need to deal with this. And the first reality of grief is that there is no expiration date on grief. And I, I, I need to say that because, you know, sometimes people say to you, by now you ought to be over it. What an unfeeling thing to say. What a, because because th there is no expiration date on grief because there is no expiration date on death. And, and, and that person that was a part of your life is still no longer with you, so you're going to some degree continue to grieve. Maybe not at the same level, maybe not at the same level of intensity, but you don't need to feel bad because it's been two years and I still miss whomever. It's been five years and I still miss whomever because they were a part of your life. And so I, I, I wanna give you the permission to grieve because somebody may not have done that. They may have told you something so silly, which is don't cry. When, when, when Jesus cried at the tomb of Lazarus and he knew he was gonna raise Lazarus from the dead. But at that tomb, the Bible says Jesus wept because of the death and the grief and the trauma that Lazarus had endured. There are five stages of grief, and I, I want to touch them briefly because everybody who's grieving is somewhere in this paradigm. There is denial, and denial is a real part of grief. You just really, you know, I remember losing my mom, and I woke up the next day, and I thought I had dreamed it, but then it was really real. But you deny it. Your mind, your emotions don't want to accept that reality that that person has been taken from you. Then, if you would be honest, there is anger. Anybody been mad because you lost somebody? And that anger is real, and, 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 and we don't wanna say it, but I'm gonna say it. Sometimes you're angry with God. Lord, why did you do this to me? Why did you let them die? I prayed, I trusted you, put it in your hand. And in your sovereignty, this person is gone. Sometimes we're angry because we think some people contributed to the loss of the person. But anger is real, and you need to accept that reality because it is what it is. And you know what? God can even handle you being mad with him. He can. And, 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 and I think it's okay to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm angry about this. Because how can he heal you if you're not honest with him. Because some of us live in denial, and, and, and we keep saying, oh God, I say yes, I thank you, but you're angry, and you gotta deal with that anger. Then you start to bargain. That's the third phase. You start bargaining with your grief. You start 
trying to relitigate it and trying to replay it. What if I had done this and what if I had done that and what if I and you know that 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 that's a, a working process, but in reality, you can't rebargain things that have happened because they've happened. You can't go back and undo, you can't go back and fix, and that's why in reality, one of the if there's a benefit to death, death causes you to hug the people that are left to you a little tighter. Because I know that somebody can be taken from me. I have to love the people that I have a little more closely. Depression is a part of the grieving process. And you're going to be sad. And, and, and you have to let yourself be sad without being consumed by the depression. That's why David said, when my heart is overwhelmed within me, Lead me to the rock. When, 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 I, when I am consumed by the sadness of this moment, Lord, strengthen me. That's why the scripture says he's the lifter of my head. Because anybody had the Lord just lift your head? Hallelujah. Everything said you had a reason and a right to hold your head down and to be sad. But here comes the God that loves you saying lift up your head. God's going to help you. I'm here to help you through this. Then you come to a place of acceptance. And acceptance doesn't mean that you don't want or you didn't need the person that was taken from you. Acceptance means you just simply acknowledge the sovereignty of God. I don't like this, but yes, Lord feels bad. Yes, Lord. You know, when one time Elder Hollis was here preaching when my grandmother, Mother Pierce, was in the hospital. And I don't know what led him to tell me this story, but he told me this story about his grandmother, and he loved his grandmother like I love my grandmother. And he said he was in church, and the pastor said, lift your hands and say, yes, Lord. Threw his hand up and said, yes, Lord. And once he understood what he was doing, he pulled his hand down because he knew. And when he went to, he was in college, he went to his room that night. He said, he told his roommate, tonight you're going to get a phone call. And when the phone rings, wake me. Because he knew that night his grandmother would transition. And sure enough, and the night he told me that story, about 2 a.m., my sister called that my grandmother had transitioned. And being able to release somebody that you love can be sometimes the hardest thing you have to do because you have to trust that even if I don't know why God did it, I trust the fact that God did it. God suffered it. God allowed it. And the only way you can deal with tomorrow is accepting the reality of today. And these are hard stages. These aren't stages that just simply go away. And so it brings another lingering question, which is how do I continue living beyond this moment? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm, I'm here. Bishop, I understand everything you've said, but how do I continue living beyond this moment. 
because there's a danger to grief. Grief is necessary, grief is real, grieving should take place, but it can be dangerous because death can be contagious. I don't mean that in the sense that because someone you love died, you're going to die next, even though some of us have battled with thoughts of walking away from life because we just couldn't bear the reality of somebody being taken from us. It's real. Saints have thought about ending their life. Y'all ain't got to say amen, but I'm telling the truth. Saints have thought about, why should I keep living when someone I love is gone? And in that reality, even if I don't want to die physically, sometimes your spirit can die because a person died. Sometimes your zeal for life can die because somebody you cared about, because you were doing things for them and you were doing things so they would be proud of you. And then when they're taken from you, you say, what's the point? What's the use? Sometimes your passion can die. And I'm looking across this congregation and I'm celebrating this word resilience. Because it hadn't been easy, but a lot of us are bouncing back. Somebody thank God for being able to bounce back. Hallelujah. Tough moments, tough days, but I keep, somehow God is keeping me afloat. Oh, Shantai. Somehow God is holding me together, and people look at me and wonder, how you doing? And I know this is God. Not me. I know when I've run out of me, it's not me, but it's God keeping it together. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. That's why you are so grateful and that's why you praise God because you know if you were left to yourself, you would have never survived. But somehow God held you together. Crying, but I'm holding it together. Weeping, but I'm holding it together. Oh, Shatama. Don't even ask me how I made it. It was God. It was God. Don't ask me how I got through it. It was God. Somebody's going to ask you that question one day. How did you get through this? And all you can say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, the enemy would have swallowed me up. But how do I live now? And the one thing that the Holy Spirit said to me distinctly was you have to delineate natural life from spiritual life. Got to separate your natural life from your spiritual life. Your natural life is your heart, your lungs, your bloodstream, your lymphatic system, your digestive system, your nervous system. All of that sustains natural life. And, all, and your body is a delicate balance, and that's why everybody that's here ought to take care of yourself because you want to make sure you keep that delicate balance in check. And, and so you go to the doctor, and so you do the things that are right physically, but that's just what? Natural life. Your job, your home, your family, natural life. But there's something called a spiritual life. 
And the spiritual life is really what helps you maintain the natural life. I, I struggle, I struggle, I struggle naturally. But what makes the difference is the spiritual life is holding my heart together and my mind together. And one of the reasons why for some people life and living is challenging is because they've placed more emphasis in the natural life than the spiritual life. Now, you're going to see this when I go to this text, and I'm going there right now, that Jesus said this, and this, this is powerful. He said, he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. This occurred to me yesterday when I was at Mother Taylor's funeral, that, that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus still died. He died once, and he died later on. Lazarus is not walking around here saying, Jesus raised me, and I'm still waiting. Lazarus died. So, so how could Jesus say, he that liveth and believeth on me shall never die? He was talking about life beyond this. And, and I need y'all to see life beyond this. I know we all get wrapped up in life like this. We get wrapped up in our houses and our cars and our careers and our family and our children. But the day is coming where you're going to have to shake all of this off for the next life. And there is a next life. Jesus is confronted by Lazarus' sister. Martha says to him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And, and they knew he had the power to keep Lazarus alive. And, and that's what our theology struggles with this because we know God can do anything. And we prayed for God to work the miracle. And yet the miracle didn't come the way we wanted it. I know that. My mother lingered in ICU from Good Friday until June 4th, I prayed, I had the church fasting, I was laying on my face at home, taking prayer cloths to the hospital to lay on her, and she still left here on June 4th. And I didn't have to say, Lord, if you had been there, because why? He was there. He was there. He was in Durham Regional Hospital with my mother. The missionaries came the day that she passed, and they just sang around her bed, and they rejoiced and spoke in tongues, and my mother still left here. Lord, you were here, and she died. Hard question. And then Jesus makes a declaration. He says at a cemetery, I am the resurrection. Listen to me. He says, I am the resurrection. Your brother is dead. They buried him, Martha, but I am the resurrection. And not only am I the resurrection, I'm the life. And he was, and yes, he did physically raise Lazarus from the dead, but beyond the physical life of Lazarus, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of your spiritual life. And let me just tell you this, if I had to choose, between being resurrected naturally 
and being resurrected spiritually, I got to choose the spiritual. Because this natural life is only going to last but so long. This natural life is only going to exist for so long because this body was not made to live forever. But you've got a spirit that's got to live beyond today. You've got a spirit that has to live beyond this moment. And he makes this statement, and this, th th this is the part that threw me as I read this text. He that liveth and believeth. Oh, God. Look at somebody say, don't die. Come on, look at him again. Say, don't die. And I'm not talking about your natural life. Because one day, if the rapture doesn't come, Bishop Davis is going to be stretched out right across the front of this church. And y'all going to talk about what I did and who I was and how I blessed your life. But I'm going to be as dead as anybody else that died. But here's the good news. The only thing you take into the cemetery is the body. The only thing you take into the grave is the body. Oh, God, the only thing you're taking, oh, God, is the body. Because if I'm alive spiritually, when my spirit leaves the body, I'm going to the God that I sang about, the God that I preached about, the God that I prayed to, because he said, he that liveth, liveth. While you're living, you got to believe in life. Shanama. While you're living, you got to believe in your eternal destiny. While you're living, you got to believe that God is with me even now. Oh, God. And the only thing that is good in the grave is the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, can I be old school for a moment? You, you, you don't need to die. You might die without money. You might die without insurance. You might die without an inheritance, but please don't die without the Holy Ghost. You say, why would you say that, Bishop? Because the Bible says, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Everybody in this life has a next of kin. That when you die, somebody got to claim the body. Somebody got to make the arrangement. Somebody got to arrange for the disposition of the body. But you know what? You need to know who's your next of kin in the spirit. That when my spirit leaves this body, who's going to claim my spirit? And if I don't have the Holy Ghost, there is no God to claim my spirit. And hell is my portion. But I'm so glad if I live, and believe on him. Should I leave this body? Jesus is waiting to claim my spirit. And the Bible says if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body. Saints, I'm trying to stay here for as long as I can. But should I go to the cemetery next week? When the rapture comes, the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise.
Oh, God, I've committed a lot of people to the cemetery in the 26 years I've been pastor of this church, but I'm looking for everybody that I knew that was full of the Holy Ghost to get out of that grave. Oh, hallelujah. And I, we're going to be caught up to meet him. That's our faith. That's our faith. I need to close this message. But the Lord told me to tell somebody to refuse to die. You've been hurt. You've had pain. You've suffered grief. But God said refuse to die. Death will not kill my joy. And death will not kill my spirit. I'm still mad at death because death claimed a lot of people that I love. And death drew a lot of people that I cared about. And I can't wait for my enemy, death, to be destroyed. But I made a decision that death will not kill me. I'll cry but live. I'll grieve, Ishanama, but live. I'll mourn but live. Because the Bible says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I need somebody to be honest, that even in my grief, I felt the comfort of the Holy Ghost. When I thought my host body and my heart would break apart, I felt the comfort of the Spirit of God. That God that told me, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you, but I'll be with you always, even to the end of the earth. So I need somebody that knows that Jesus has stood by you just to open your mouth and tell him thank you. Oh, God, you, I, it, my tears were bitter, but you stood by me. My tears came like my meat, but you stood by me. And I'm thanking God today that I made the decision that the enemy will not destroy my spiritual life I'm going to find a way to give God the glory tears in my eyes but I open my mouth because I made the decision that I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth he says he that liveth and believeth in me I need to tell you something Faith is stronger, oh God, than grief, because grief is an emotion, but faith is a decision. I decided to believe God. I decided to trust God. And they sang a song in the old church that I will trust in the Lord until I die. Oh, Shatanama said, I might die in sickness, but I lay in that hospital saying, God, I trust you. I've been through hell and high water. I've cried tears, but God, I trust you. Somebody throw your hands up. Say, God, I trust you. It hadn't been easy, but I trust you. It's been painful, but I trust you. It's been challenging, but I trust you. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. I got to close. Every time you face death, I face death. This week I'm facing it up close and personal. 
and I'm forced to face it. But I've made a solemn decision, and I've made a declaration. I shall not die. You say, Bishop, everybody going to die. Yeah, body's going to die. But this spirit shall not die. This spirit shall not die. This faith shall not die. This trust in God shall not die. Psalmist said, I shall not die. But I'm going to live and declare the works of God. Challenged by life, but I'm going to live. My joy is going to live. My anointing is going to live. My power is going to live. The virtue in me is going to live. You know why? Because Jesus said, because I live, ye shall live also. Isn't that what he said? And because he's alive, I'm alive. You can take the shell to the cemetery, but you can't kill the spirit. Spirit's going to live. Spirit's going to live. Holding on to life. When I keep seeing death, because, last point, for the believer, for the believer. Now look, if you're not saved, you need to get saved today. Because none of what I said fits you if you're not saved. If you die without Christ, hell will be your portion. I know we don't like saying that in church because we want folks to feel good. But if you pass down these aisles and leave here without Jesus, there's only one place for you to go, and that's hell. Yeah, I said it. If you're not saved, you're going to hell. Everybody's going to die until Jesus comes. Everybody. I'm not going to lie and say we done seen our last funeral. No, you haven't. Because you might see mine. But the only protection I have for my spiritual life is that I'm saved. And I'm not talking about, oh, God, I don't know who this is for. But I'm not talking about what I did 20 years ago and let leave. Because the Bible didn't say he that gets saved and backslides. You got to get saved and endure. What you mean, preacher? I mean, hold on. I mean, hold on. Crying, but hold on. Weeping, but hold on. Miserable, but hold on. Perplexed, but hold on. Don't know what to do, but hold on. Hold on, hold on. Look down your road, just say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Glory! 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 I'm done. 
Holy Ghost, have your way. Holy Ghost, have your way. Holy Ghost, have your way. <laughs> I'm done. I'm finished. sincerely hope that you were blessed by this broadcast today. If you desire prayer or want more information about our church, please call us at 336-570-3664. Again, that's 336-570-3664. You can also go to our website for more information about our ministry at www.refugetemplenc.com. Again, that's www.refugetemplenc.com. Pastor Reginald and Lady Charity Davis and the Refuge Temple family would like to invite you to worship with us whenever you are in the Burlington area. If this ministry has blessed you, please write to us at P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C. 27215. That's P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C. 27215. Or email us, info at refugetemplenc.com. That's info at refugetemplenc.com. God bless you, and until next time, shalom, shalom.